0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: If we've drifted in any way, which you know what? Listen, we all do at times. I don't know anybody that would say, I've never drifted. I've only always been totally passionate, completely on fire, 100% committed. I don't know anybody like that. But the important thing is, when we recognize that there's been a drift, that we get back to that place.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 through chapter 2 verse 4 in a message titled, Beware of Drifting. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: This epistle is one, it's very much a a warning against Turning away from the Lord. And it's it's actually a series of these very strong warnings. And this is the first in a series that will take us all the way through. It's the first of these strong warnings that he brings to us. And, And notice really, we're we're very early on into the epistle. I mean, he gets right to the point pretty quickly here. So he makes the point of the superiority of Christ over the angels, over the law. And and their temptation was to move away from Christ. And so he warns them very strongly against that. But he uses the term, lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. Now, he's using that intentionally because that's what's happening with this group of people. Now, Maybe you remember, if you were here before, we talked about, there's probably been 20 or so years uh, since Jesus died, resurrected, and ascended back to heaven. The day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit was poured out, the church began to be gathered. Many of these people that are being written to here, I think it was written primarily to Jews in Jerusalem, they would have been in the faith now for quite some time, maybe close to 20 years. And what's happening, what the author sees happening, is that there is, there's, there's been this, this drift that's been taking place. Now, the thing about drifting, you know, is that it's slow. It's oftentimes subtle. Sometimes it's imperceptible, really. You, you don't even so much realize that it's happening. It's not something that you, you do abruptly or, or suddenly or just, you know, you don't get up one day and just say, okay, I'm going I'm to fall away from the Lord today. Uh, it, it's, it happens over time, and it's it's much more subtle. And this is true. It was true with them, obviously. This was happening. But, you know, it, it's really true with many people. And what does the author say? He says, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. You see, because there's this danger of drifting We've got to keep our eyes on on the marker. And in this particular case, he's referring to God's word. We've gotta give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard. As we continue to pay close attention to God's words and apply them to our life, that's how we keep from drifting. But if I fail to do that, that's where the drift takes place. Drifting is sometimes, it's almost imperceptible. We don't realize that it's happened but we're taken with the current or we're taken with the tide. In some cases, we're taken with the tide of time, with the tide of time. You know, when you first become a believer in Jesus, there's so much excitement. You're so thrilled that you've discovered this new life in Christ, and you're a Christian, and you're saved, and you're, you're discovering all these spiritual realities that you didn't know anything about, and it's all so new and wonderful, and, uh, you know, it, it's like that. It's the, um, you know, there, there's that season, but the longer time passes, there's the possibility, and, and really the danger that we would just grow cold toward those things after some time. I've been in this life now for so long that it's easy for me to forget, maybe, what life was like before. Where where at one time it it was so fresh in my mind, oh, gosh, it's so wonderful to be in Christ. It's so great to be out of sin and death and darkness and all of those things that were once so much a, a dominant feature in my life, but now, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years have passed, and you've been in this Christian life for so long, you just kind of, you get to a place where you're not really excited about it anymore. Well, what's happened? Well, the reality is you've drifted. You've drifted away from that place that you need to be in. Jesus spoke of it in, in different terms. He, he spoke of those who had left their first love, you see, the Lord wants us to and really calls us to maintain the same fervency and passion and all of that that we started with. We, he wants us to maintain that all the way through. And if we begin to drift, if our hearts begin to grow cold, and at some time we don't check that, we don't arrest that, we're going to end up, we, we can drift so far out that we maybe will never find our way back. Maybe we'll never be concerned to find our way back. So sometimes it's the tide of time. Sometimes it's the tide of familiarity. Again, in the early days, all of this stuff is so new. It's so exciting. It's so unlike anything that you've ever known before. And you're hearing all of these wonderful things about who God is and what he's like and what he's done. And and then there's the prophecies about where the world's headed, and you know, the Bible says this here, and you read in the newspaper this, and you see the connection. You go, like, Oh, this is also amazing. It's also new, it's also fresh, it's also different than anything you've ever known. But then again, with uh, familiarity, you get more and more familiar with it, and then it's sort of like, Oh, yeah, 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 right. Okay, yeah, I heard that before. Yeah, oh, I remember that story. Oh, yeah. And, you know, things that once really impacted you, things that once moved you, things that once stirred you, things that once provoked you and, and caused you to say, wait, you know, I got to be more serious about this. Those things kind of just, they, they don't have that same effect. You've probably heard the term familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes that's true. And sometimes it can be true in our spiritual life. We've just heard it all before. And uh, I'll tell you you know when occasionally i I do you know like a chapel service for you know kids at Christian schools who have been in Christian school their entire life, and you're sitting there talking to them and you know they're 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 as far away as they could possibly be in their minds because they have heard it all from the time they were little kids that f- you know, kindergarten, they heard the stories and all the way through elementary school and up. And now they're, here. they are, their seniors are getting ready to graduate and they're hearing the same old stuff over and over again. And that can happen, can happen to us. Oh yeah, I've heard that song before, right? Yeah. Oh, not that song again. You know, like, oh yeah. Oh, that guy, he prays the same way all the time. Yeah, you know, I've heard all of that. You know, we're just, its it, we, we can become so familiar with it that we, we just drift away from our passion to these things. Uh, the tide of busyness can take us away. We can become so busy. I mean, how many people uh, have there been, and Jesus even illustrated this in, in his parable of the sower, where the, you know, the son of man goes out, he's the person in the, in the parable, and he scatters the seed. And he talks about the seed that uh, falls on the thorny ground. And um, it springs up, but then the, the weeds choke it out. And he said, this is the person who hears the word, who receives the word, but then the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, they come in. And that's what we're talking about, the busyness of life. Oh, I, I'm too busy. Yeah, I know I, I used to be committed to being in fellowship, but you know, man, I'm so busy now. I've got a new job and I've got new responsibilities and I've got to do this. And, or I've got new interest. And we, get, we can get so busy with the things of life that we begin to neglect our spiritual life. And that causes us to drift away. Or it could be, the tide of disappointment. And I have seen many people who have been carried away. They've, they've drifted, they've drifted along on the tide of disappointment. And that was, I think, in many cases, what was happening with the Hebrews that are written to here. They were disappointed. Things did not work out the way they thought they would because they were followers of the Messiah. And isn't it true today that that happens in our lives sometimes? We have these expectations, and we think that things are going to go a certain way, but then as time goes on, as life goes on, it doesn't happen the way we thought. And disappointment sets in, and we become upset, even though we wouldn't necessarily come out and say it. You know, there's, there's some anger in our hearts toward the Lord because, you know, after all, I thought that things would be different now. And, and, you know, you said if I followed you and believed in you, that you would bless me. And I, I'm still struggling with this or that. Or, you know, I, I, I still, I'm still single and, and I've wanted to be married all of these years. And those kinds of disappointments come in. And as a result of that, there can be this drifting. And of course, there are probably other things as well. But what's the solution? How do we avoid this? Well, again, he told us we are to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. We have got to, well, first of all, we've got to recognize that our faith is not primarily about how we feel. Because so often, this is where the problem arises. Because I'm I'm not feeling it like I once felt it. And we've got to get out of that feeling mentality. And we've got to get back to just trusting and believing in what God has said in his word. And that's what he says. He says, we need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. We need to go back and remember the message. We need to go back and remember God's grace and his love and all of those things. And if our hearts in some way have grown cold, we need to get on our knees and say, God, rekindle that fire in my heart. Now, in giving the more earnest heed, notice what he says giving the warning in verse 2, if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So in giving the more earnest heed, the first thing we need to realize is that we don't want to neglect this great salvation. This, This word neglect, the Greek word, here it's translated neglect, In another place, it's translated to be careless of. In another place, it's translated to make light of. So if I'm going to avoid drifting, I have got to make sure that I'm not neglecting this great salvation, that I'm not being careless in regard to it, that I'm not taking it lightly. And I think if we realize how great our salvation really is, that that will help us. I, I think these people that are being written to here, they've forgotten that. They had forgotten. That's why the author is, is trying to get them back to seeing who Jesus is. They had forgotten who he was. And sometimes that's what happens with us. And we've got to go back and we've got to realize that salvation is the greatest thing Possible. It's the greatest thing imaginable. There's nothing that even compares to it. It's greater than the word great can even describe. That's why he says it's so great a salvation. It's more than great. And when we lose sight of how great our salvation is, that's when we get into trouble. When we start thinking, you know, there's something else out there that's probably just as good or better There's something else that's gonna bring me more fulfillment. There's something else that's gonna bring me more satisfaction. There's something else that's gonna bring me more thrill or more excitement or whatever. Whenever we start thinking that way, we're already drifting. No, we have got to keep at the forefront of our minds. We've got the greatest thing there is. We've got so great a salvation. Why is our salvation so great? Well, number one, it's because of the greatness of our Savior, it's because of the greatness of our Savior. And again, this is how we avoid drifting. We just keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep reminding ourselves of who he is and his magnificence, his glory, his, his awesomeness. And, you know, if, you, if you're struggling with that, this is where you just, you know, you just say, God, you know, bring me a fresh revelation of yourself. Sometimes it can be helpful to, you know, of course, reading our Bibles is always necessary, but sometimes it can be helpful to even get a book or something that will highlight uh, the, the greatness of God, maybe something like the attributes of God or something that will delve deeper into uh, the person of Christ. And some things like that can become so inspiring where you really get a fresh perspective. You know, sometimes that's what we need. We need, to, we need to see things from a little bit of a different angle sometimes. And just to get a fresh look at who the Lord is. And so that's where, that's where we start in guarding ourselves. We remember the greatness of our Savior. Meditate on Jesus. Think about him. Look at what the Bible says about him. Think about what he has done for you, how much he personally loves you, what he gave up, how much he sacrificed. All of those things will stir our hearts back toward where they need to be. So there's the remembrance of the greatness of our Savior, but then remember how great your salvation is. Like I said, with the passing of time, sometimes you can forget how bad things used to be. You can forget how miserable you were because you're you're so far removed from it. So here I am in life, and I've been a Christian longer than I wasn't a Christian. So I'm so far removed from my my non-Christian life, a lot of times I forget what it was like back there. And occasionally I'll have a thought like, well, you know, hey, that wasn't so bad. But then I got to stop myself and say, wait, okay, let me rethink that again. And I I might remember one particular moment where, okay, you know, things, sin has a pleasurable aspect to it, right? And there are times when, oh, yeah, that, that moment right there was pretty cool. But let's think about what happened after that. Oh, yeah, that wasn't so good. So I know for myself that there are times when I need to go back and remember how miserable I was when I was lost in sin i need to remember how i felt that that emptiness and that that sense of futility in life and that that constant frustration with nothing being able to ever really bring satisfaction i need to go back and think about that i need to go back and think about the the people i hurt and the hearts that i broke and the the things that i did and the the self-centeredness and, you know, all of those kinds of things and the ugliness of all of that. I need to go back and remember, oh, Lord, yes, this is so great a salvation. You saved me from that, from from the guilt of my sin, walking around under that burden of guilt. And of course, ultimately from going to hell, because that's where I was headed and that's where we were all headed. And by the grace of God, we're not going there. But we need to remember that. And so that's how we do what the author is telling us to do. That's how we avoid this drifting away. We do it by giving the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, remembering how great our salvation is, remembering how great our Savior is, remembering how great our own personal deliverance is is, and, and just getting back to a fresh passion and devotion for the things of the Spirit. That's where we need to be the all the time. And if we've drifted in any way, which you know what, listen, we all do at times. I don't know anybody that, that would say, I've never drifted. I've only always been totally passionate, completely on fire, 100% committed. I don't know anybody like that. But the important thing is when we recognize that there's been a drift, that we get back to that place. That we have that marker. So we know, wait a second, yeah. I'm way far down the beach here. I have gotta get back over here to, to my marker. And of course, that's where God's grace is right there to always meet us and to always help us to get back to the place that He wants us to be. In closing, I want to quote from um, an author. And I want to quote this because as we go through this epistle again, like I said, there's there's many strong warnings in the epistle. And I personally, if you've heard me teach for a while, which many of you have, I hold the conviction that you know if you're truly saved, you're gonna you're gonna remain saved. That is. Uh, Salvation is an eternal thing, but we also have to face the fact that there are these warnings in Scripture that seem to sometimes indicate that we we might lose the salvation. Now, I don't think you can lose it, but I think we have to have the right perspective on it. Let me quote from this writer uh, Shriner is his name. He said this. He said, the New Testament nowhere, and this is the important point, teaches that an initial acceptance of the saving message is sufficient without perseverance in faith. Then he goes on. If the people of God in the Old Testament received earthly punishments for transgressing the Mosaic law mediated by angels, then those who repudiate the heavenly revelation given by the Son will not escape final judgment. There's a certain amount of seriousness to this that we, that is unavoidable. We can't escape it. Because as he said here, the New Testament nowhere teaches that an initial acceptance of the saving message is sufficient without perseverance. You see, the biblical picture of salvation is not that you just receive Christ at a certain time in your life, that you say, as is so commonly done today, a sinner's prayer, or you go forward at an invitation that was given. I'm not putting those things down. But what I'm saying is this, is that in and of itself doesn't prove anything. What proves something is that you go on with Christ from that point. That's biblical salvation is something that you enter into and you continue in throughout the rest of your life. That's how we have the confidence. As as we're continuing on with the Lord, that's where our confidence is. If I'm not following Jesus, if I'm not living for Jesus, if I'm not serious about submitting my life to his word and so forth, and I'm looking back on, well, you know, 25 years ago, I said a prayer, and so, you know, I know I'm going to be okay. If that's my thinking, I'm deceiving myself. The Bible never gives us any comfort in our sin. Never. Never comforts us. The comfort is, come out of your sin. I'll forgive your sin. But while we remain in sin, there's no comfort. There's no encouragement like, hey, don't worry about it. You're saved, just keep sinning, it's all right. You'll make it to heaven eventually. The Bible doesn't say that, some preachers say that, but the Bible doesn't say that. So we, as we make our way through this this letter, we have to take these warnings to heart. We have to take them seriously because they were not only relevant to those that were the original recipients of the letter. They're obviously relevant for us today as well. And so if we've drifted, thank God his grace is available and he's there welcoming us back into that intimacy that he longs to have with us.
0: For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Isolation, distance, and conflict during these trying times have caused countless people to feel lonely and depressed. But for the Christian, the friendship of Jesus reaches even our deepest loneliness, and we can allow darkness and despair to drive us directly to Him. And when we come to Him, Jesus is able to match our every need with His mercies because He moves towards us with compassion. If you or someone you know needs to know the heart of God, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Suffers by Dane Ortlund is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you,